Good morning, Third Street. I ain't going to lie to you. I didn't think not one of you was going to be back here after last week, just being real. I heard whoever was preaching last week got a little rude, got a little, stepped on a few toes. Well, I promise you, That this is my last week for a while, so that's all I can pretty much say about that. Um, no, I do appreciate I do appreciate your guys' uh, prayers as uh, over the next few weeks, um, uh, my family and myself take some time off. Uh, yes, partially to have uh, a baby, uh, a fourth one, um, at it again. Um, but also, you know, just to just to have time to. Uh, recoup and recover as a family. And so we appreciate your prayers over the next few weeks. Uh, I'm also really, really thankful um, that we're a part of a body and we're a part of a team that is really, really dope. And I know that not Sunday morning and not Monday through Saturday, not a single thing will suffer because I'm not screaming at y'all for a couple weeks. I know for a fact that uh, Pastor KT is going to do a great job on Sundays as he always does. And I know uh, that you all will be faithful uh, to carry the weight that you guys carry as well. And so I, I appreciate your guys' prayer through that time. And I wish somehow there was a way I could be in two places at once. But that tension is what got us to this point. So taking a break. Um, if you haven't been with us, uh, man, where you been at? Like, man, you know what I'm saying, Roz? They don't even understand. They don't even understand. And I can't catch you up at this point. I can't. Because I'm trying to put a conclusion on this series. I'm trying to conclude it, right? I can give you a real rough estimate of where we've been at. We've been in this series called Send. If you've been with us, say Send. If you just found out for the first time that that's what we're doing, say Send. Amen. We've been in this series called Send. We've been, for the last uh, three weeks prior to this one, uh, we've been looking at one passage in particular. And I know at the beginning y'all thought I was crazy. You're like, you lost it, sir. I know that you've taken long periods of time to cover just one book. I know you've taken long periods of time to cover just a few verses. But, Pastor, you've really lost it on this one. Four weeks to cover one verse. I mean, what on earth? That is just lazy. I know that's what you've been thinking, but honestly, this, this passage is so used and abused uh, in, our, in our society and in Christian pop culture that, that I really felt like it warranted that. And so we've been talking about this idea in Acts 1-8 of what it actually means to be sent. We talked about the idea of what it means to be sent to Jerusalem, the idea that we are the people who have been mobilized to spread the gospel. I know that's really hard for us to believe in our, that our preference would be to like sit on our hands and like wait for God to come back so that we can look at our neighbor that we never told about the gospel and say, I told you so. But the reality is we are the ones that have been deployed and mobilized to spread the gospel. And even more so, we've been given authority over the powers and the principalities of this world to speak and to do something about it. And that's wild. Then we talked about what it means to be sent to the whole region of Judea and how when there are these like crazy catalytic moments and events in our lives and in our world and it causes everything to seemingly stand still that it's for us to adopt the discipline of pausing and asking God what he's up to and then as we pray and discover what God is up to being willing and able to let go of our security and our fear that keeps us in a stagnant place and being willing to join him in whatever he's doing 
And then last week, as we talked about what it means to be sent to Samaria, we talked about the idea of being sent to the unavoidable. There are things that are happening in our lives. There are things that are happening in our society that we cannot ignore. Not even because it's on everything in front of us, on every screen that we look at, but also because it is a spiritual obligation we have to be grace and truth. This week, as we wrap up, I have to acknowledge that this is the portion that is probably the most misunderstood. And I say that because I think that it's probably the most abused. The most... Y'all see what I just did? I told you, I need a vacation. I've been trying to tell you guys for a minute. Good grief. He told me too. I know. I know. Ain't nobody ask you to chime in, Jesus. All right, listen. <laughs> Spirit be with me. Uh, go ahead and open your Bibles to where we've been at for the last few weeks. Go to the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, fifth book of the New Testament. We're right in the first chapter, so you don't even really need to search for it. We're dropping down to the little number that says eight. That's verse eight. If you don't have your Bibles with you and you don't feel confident in your ability to fight off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, TikTok, and or Twitter, I encourage you to look up on the screen instead because it's right there in front of you. This is Acts chapter one, verse eight. Y'all probably got it memorized by now, but just because we're going to go ahead and read it together. The word says this. But you will receive power. These are Jesus' words to his disciples. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Saturday mornings growing up in my house were tough. I mean, after Saturday morning cartoons, of course. You know, I had my giant bowl of cereal watching Spider-Man. You already know what I was on. But after that, it was real tough because as soon as Spider-Man was over, it was like my grandmother had a sixth sense about when TV shows ended. This is before I realized that they ended every half hour, right? I was like, how do you know every time, every time Spider-Man's over, she comes in and turns off the TV and she's like, all right, it's time to clean. Like it's time to it's time to see what the X-Men are talking about. That's what it's time to do, but she didn't let me never get there. So I'm not I never could go there, right? Like I know Spider-Man, I don't know X-Men. I heard they team up at some point. I'd love to see it, but I can't because I had to clean. And what my grandma would tell me is she would give me she would give me the rag that I needed. She would give me a broom or a sweeper depending on what room she told me to clean. And when she and she would tell me i never forget the first time she used this phrase. I was upstairs, and I don't remember why, but she told me, she was trying to emphasize that I really, 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 really had to clean this time. She's like, you clean, but it's not really clean. I need you to, like, clean, clean. And I'm like, what you mean by clean, clean? She's like, I need you to get every nook and cranny. Now, my grandmother's a holy woman, but when I was walking up the steps and I heard her say nook and cranny, I had to pause. Did she just cuss at me? Nook and cranny? Who's she calling a nook and cranny? 
I ain't no nook and cranny. You a nook and granny. No, you're tripping if you think you're tripping if you think I talk to my grandma that way. She's holy. I would never. But thought about it. I, I really thought about it. Really did. I was like, nook and cranny. What on earth does that mean? Anybody else have a relative that would say some weird old stuff like that? Any of you adopted, adopted those words and then you hear yourself say it and you're like, dang it. I totally said I would never say nook and cranny, right? And I'm up in my room and I'm looking for what I think might be a nook and cranny, right? I'm wiping everything down and I'm looking at the rag like, is that a nook and cranny? Is that the one? She was talking about, she's seen the cobweb, and she said, that's not just a cobweb. It's a nook and cranny in that one. You got to get that one. Is this the one? I didn't know. What was she really trying to say to me? What she really was trying to say to me was get every spot. Don't let there be a single part of what is under your eyesight, your control, your ability. Don't let there be even the tiniest little bit that goes untouched. Oh, y'all caught where I'm going already, huh? She meant every single spot, no exceptions. When we hear Jesus say, and to the end of the earth, we start looking for a spot God's trying to tell us to go, don't we? We got that same misunderstanding. Is Jesus swearing at me? We start looking for a spot. We start wearing matching T-shirts in the airport, talking about whole continents as if they're small villages we can save. When we try to spiritualize our vacations or, or pinpoint a faraway land we think we can save, we completely miss the strategy God has designed in and or around our lives. Now, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. A lot of y'all know how I grew up. I got a lot of matching t-shirts. You know what I'm saying? My dad's in nursery right now, but I promise you, if he'd have heard me say what I just said, he might have got up out of his seat. You know how it goes. I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't experience different things because I know that for a lot of us, we need to experience different things to be able to understand it. Some of us, that's our problem is we've been in the same situation, in the same culture, in the same place our whole lives, and we've never gotten out. So it's actually like our whole worldview is entirely informed by our small town America viewpoint. I'm not saying that we shouldn't get out and see some other stuff. I'm just saying we should be honest about what it is. We need to so that we can understand. I'm saying we should be honest about what we're doing and not try to check a box of being sent to the end of the earth just because we take a trip once a year. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not Jesus' intent. Jesus' phrase, to the end of the earth, covers a lot of things. It covers every nook and cranny. But I'm just going to tell you about three of them. Amen? Point one, when Jesus says to the end of the earth, Jesus is talking about everywhere. You're like, that's a point, Pastor? Yes, it's a point. Listen, Jesus paints this picture of the gospel going to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's painting a picture. He's painting a picture that the gospel is going to reach everywhere. This is so contagious. This good news is so infectious that it's going to change the way that people live. And because it's going to change the way that people live, it's going to change 
the way people around them live. And it's just going to spread, right? But you know what's interesting is that Jesus didn't take the time before his ascension to stop and divide up the disciples as to who was going to go where, right? It's not like he said, we're going to go to the end of the earth and this is how we're going to do. Philip, you're running point. You go down to Ethiopia. Thomas, Thomas, I need you to go over to what, to what Americans are going to know in 2,000 years is Asia, right? They didn't, they, 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 that wasn't the intent of dividing and conquering, right? But the gospel had a methodical spread. When, he said, when Jesus says, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth, that's a method. He says it's going to start here. And because it's here, some things are going to happen to make it go there. And then some other things are going to happen in your lives and you're going to think you're running, but actually I'm going to use your running. And it's going to go to other places. And then because it goes to other places with people that you don't even know yet, with cultures that you don't even understand yet, those cultures are going to take it to other places as well. And it's going to go to places that you don't even know exist yet. Right? People's concept back then of to the end of the world was as far as the Roman Empire spreads but you know that even at its peak the roman empire never made up up more than four percent of the world population so he's talking about an imagination that they couldn't possibly have had god used events god used people god used time to see the gospel spread and so this is what i think we should take away from that it's the idea that we should have a vision of where this thing is going. We should have a vision of where our faith is going to take us. We should have an idea of what it looks like for us to be a believer in every nook and cranny of our lives. We should have a long-term vision for where that goes. But in all honesty, we probably don't have the full imagination of what God is really capable of doing with that vision. Right? We should have a vision for where this heads, but it's no more appropriate to sit and wait for God to arrive to take us there as it is for us to go ahead and just jump straight there. What if I decided today that I had a vision of becoming a doctor and I showed up at Altman Hospital tomorrow with a lab coat? You think they're going to let me like check in some people? It depends on how busy ER is, but, but they're not letting me touch nobody, right? We should have a vision for where this thing goes, but we should be open to the methods, the situations, the strategy that God has to get us there. Our approach should be less of a, I'm trying to do this here so that I can go there. And more of a, I think I know where God has taken me, but in the meantime, as I go, right? That's what I think Jesus means. It's a, it's a as you go mentality. As a matter of fact, when you look in Luke chapter 10, this is the first time that Jesus sent out his disciples. He actually specifically says that. He says, as you go. He says, as you go, go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. That don't sound easy. That's because it's not. And Jesus says, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And when, and when it's, 
uh, uh, after you pray, peace be on this house, remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Jesus is talking about as I send you out, as you go. He's talking about as you go. As you go, he says, wherever you go, wherever you go, pray for peace to be on this house. In other words, wherever you go, pray to be received. Pray that as you walk into this grocery store, you're going to be received. Pray that as you go into work today, you're going to be received. Pray that as you walk through this open door that's been given to you, that you are received and people are open to the things that you have to say in your total existence. And here's a crazy thought, straight from Jesus. When you are received, don't pull the, all right, I was just checking. I'm going to go see where my other options are at, and then I'm going to tell you. I'm going to come back and let you know if, I, if your receptivity of me is the receptivity that I was supposed to be looking for from God because of a sign. I'm going to go see if I can get received elsewhere and then pick which place I want to be received the most because I like options. Um, no. He says when you go somewhere and you've been received, stay there. Stay right there. He goes a step further. He said, they're going to invite you in. They're hosts. They're going to invite you. They're going to offer you food. They're going to offer you drink. Take it. Whatever it is, stay there. Take it. Let me ask you. Let's turn it back to you. What doors are open to you right now? What doors are uniquely open to you right now? What's the place that when you walk in, you're received? Listen, I've been there. Some of y'all, it's the barbershop. I've been in there with some of y'all. Same time. I keep trying to not be, but I, it just happens. A lot of you see Nate. It's tough. Right? And I see the reaction when you walk in the barbershop and everybody's like, hey, I see it. That's favor. That's opportunity. When you go into work and people breathe a sigh of relief because thank God you're here now. That's favor. That's an open door. When you go home and your wife has been with the kids all day and she looks at you, yeah. that's opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Right? What are the places that are uniquely open to you right now? The doors that God has gone ahead of you and opened for you to step in. Have you had the faith to truly be vocal, to truly be influential in those spaces? Have you recognized that you have favor at these open doors, but you have yet to step into the authority that God has promised comes with said favor? Some of you might be sitting here and wondering, I can't think of one. I can't think of an open door that God has given me. Let me ask you this question. Do you pray for the Lord's peace to be wherever you go? Like, have you prayed for that place? Have you prayed for opportunity to be opened up to you? Have you prayed that the Lord would show you where it is you're supposed to stay? Have you prayed that the Lord would show you where it is you have opportunity to speak because they're going to listen to you, but they're not going to listen to the person in the chair next to you? Have you, like, actually prayed about it? That's the mentality. Of to the end of the earth is everywhere you go. 
Don't be the person that the grocery store went untouched because you didn't pray before you walked in pushing your cart just trying to get some pickles and some bread and get out. It's a weird combo, I know, but, you know, we got a lot of pregnant people right now. Point two. Before I get myself in trouble. Point two. Jesus says to the end of the earth, Jesus means everyone. We didn't like it last week when we talked about how inclusive that is. Right? And also I would be clear to point out the difference between inclusivity and tolerance. Those aren't the same thing. And yeah, the path is narrow. But that's not for you to decide who's on the path and who's off. That's not for you to judge, like, well, they're not going to respond to the, uh-uh, that's not your job. That's not what Jesus told you to do. He said go to everyone. As you go in that same passage in Luke chapter 10, just actually just before the passage we just read to you in verse 2, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into, the, into his harvest. You know what that means? That means that the amount of people who need Jesus Christ in their lives, the amount of people who are looking for just a little bit of hope, the amount of people who are broken and recognize that they need healing, we're not on a shortage of those people. This is going to touch you on a lot of levels. You know what we're on a shortage of? Workers. Y'all think I'm being political. I'm being kingdom-minded. We're on a shortage of workers. People who are willing to go into the broken places. People who are willing to go into people's lives and then stay there. Moving on, Jesus says, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, Eat, and eat what is set before you. Then he goes on. He says, and heal the sick in it. Well, that takes time, Jesus. It sure does. A lot of us want to pray a prayer and experience a miraculous healing, not realizing that healing sometimes is a process. And that means we got to stay in people's lives for a while. We're going to go in and prescribe some medicine. How about you read some passages and say your prayers once a day and I'll come back and check in on you two weeks later. That's not what that means. He says, say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. Jesus is sending us into a plentiful harvest. Everywhere we go, there's opportunity. Everywhere we go, there's people who are hurting. Everywhere we go, there's people who are broken. And Jesus promises you that if you are keep being faithful to pray peace over those places, he will be faithful to show you your person of peace. He will be faithful to show you the person that is uniquely open to you. He will be faithful to show you the person that 10 other people can say the same thing, but you come along and say the one thing, and they're with you. That's promised. That's not like a nice theory. It's biblical. It's what Jesus says will happen. Relationship with people is how this thing spreads. Right? You didn't come to Jesus because of a dope advertisement. You came to Jesus because somebody you knew walked you through some stuff. And hopefully it's still walking you through some stuff. As you now walk other people through some stuff. That's how this thing works. When you're received, Jesus says, don't be in a hurry to move on. 
Don't be in a hurry to move on. Oh, this isn't really what I thought this was going to look like. I'm really looking for something else. So if you could maybe, no, stay in that relationship. It's been given to you. He's entrusted you. Now, there is another side of this coin. And I hate that I can't just leave it there, but I can't. There is another side of the coin if you keep reading. Jesus says, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into the streets and say, this is one of my favorite verses in all of scripture, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God is near. That is one of my, that's like so dope. Like, you know what? You tripping. God loves you. Thank God. Thank God for that verse. If you are not received, listen, know this, because I know I got about 46% of this room is nurturers, right? Probably a little bit more because y'all just keep coming out the woodwork. Listen, I know I got to say this to y'all especially. Just because you haven't been received doesn't mean that they're doomed for eternity. It just means that that relationship wasn't for you. It wasn't for you to be the one to bring them to the light. It wasn't for you to be the one to help them understand what Jesus has done for them. That means hopefully, knowingly, God has another strategy for that person and you're not a part of it. So please, in Jesus' name, dust your shoes off and keep it pushing, my guy. What are the relationships that you need to be more intentional about right now? It's seasons, it's timing, it's places. I get all that. What are the relationships that you need to be more intentional about right now? Who are the people that pop to your mind when I talk about the people that, are, that just receive you? The people that just put themselves around you. The people that are so open to the things that you have to say, but you're so nervous to go there that you haven't really fully explored that yet. Who are the people that just serve you for no reason? They just, just because they want to be around you. And then look at the flip side. What are the relationships where you need to brush that off and keep it pushing? Because let me tell you something. Those are the relationships that are going to keep you from what God has for you. Those are the relationships that are going to keep you from being a part of God's will and God's strategy for your life. Those are the relationships that are going to cause you to miss a blessing. Because you're caught up with your foot in somebody's door that they're desperately trying to slam. Let them slam it. Tell them Jesus loves them and go to the next house. You have spiritual permission to do that. I know at least half of you, that's what you needed to hear. You have spiritual, God-given authority and permission to move on. Because God has another relationship for you. I hate to tell you this, but those are the two points that's easy to accept. It is a third one, Sylvia, and I don't think they want the third one. Should I stop? I shouldn't stop. I should keep going. I don't like this one. I don't like this one. This one's tough. When Jesus says to the end of the earth, he means every time. He means every time. When you read Mark chapter 5, 
Here's a fun fact to the backdrop of Mark chapter 5. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus calms a storm. Not like he watched the radar on, on News Channel 3 and told people, now go to your basements, now come back out of the basement. But like literally woke up from a dead sleep because people was freaking out. We about to die in the storm. And Jesus comes up, ah, ah, peace, and heals a whole storm. He might have said it with a word, but don't think that that didn't take some effort. Jesus healed a whole, he, he calmed a whole storm. He says, let's go to the other side of the lake. Storm hits the lake. Dang it, just to get to the other side, I got to calm this storm. He calms the storm, and then he gets to the lake. And you know what Mark, he gets to the other side of the lake. You know what Mark chapter 5 tells us? Scripture says, immediately waiting for him was a man possessed with a whole lot of demons immediately waiting for me. Like, man, I can't catch a break. I just calmed a whole storm. A whole storm. And I was woke up out of my sleep to do it. I only got three kind of decent hours because these guys came out with not enough faith to say, hey, come help me. So I had to wake up from my Jesus sleep to help them. Then I couldn't go back to sleep because then my mind was running and, you know, it's too many things and work's been rough lately. And so, you know, I can't go back to sleep. So then we land and I barely get my, 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 my sandal out the boat before somebody comes up with some demons. And now I got to address this. He says, what's your name? Legion means there's a lot of them. Cast them all out. Not just one. That'll do you for now. Let me know when the other 67 feel like coming out. He deals with all of them. Every last demon. I know there's multiple of you. I know there's multiple of you in there, right? And so I'm not just going to deal with the one that manifests itself right in front of my face. I'm going to deal with the root of why 60-some demons have chosen your vessel, your body, to do some evil. I'm going to get to every single one of these and get rid of them. And then no sooner did Jesus calm a storm and get rid of 50 plus demons that he turns a corner and a guy who runs a synagogue, a church official, if anyone should be able to do this stuff himself, it's him, comes to Jesus like, my daughter's real sick, man. My daughter is real sick. My name is Jairus. It's nice to meet you. And if you would, please come with me to my house. And I would like for you to heal my daughter. Jesus is like, man, I just called a storm. I just threw about 50, 11 demons out this person. Now you want me? All right, here we go. He's on his way to Jairus' house. Like the paparazzi in L.A., people can't leave him alone. Because word's getting around about what he's doing. And he's moving through the crowd. And there's this woman in the crowd that's been suffering from a blood condition for like 12 years. And she's convinced herself because she's seen every doctor. She's seen every synagogue official. She's, she's hailed every Mary and sacrificed every goat. She's tried everything to get rid of this condition. And nothing has worked. And she's convinced herself that if somehow I can work my way through this crowd and just touch just a sliver of his robe, if I can just get just, just, just the tiniest little string that he doesn't even know is hanging off of, off of his robe, if I can just touch it, 
I believe that I'll be well. And she crawls her way through a crowd. She pushes and shoves her way through a crowd that hasn't received her in a really long time. She pushes and shoves her way through a crowd that wants nothing to do with her because she's a crybaby and she just keeps complaining about this condition and yet no doctors can figure out what's wrong with her. She's tripping. She crawls through a crowd that wants nothing to do with her and she reaches out with her tired, weak hand and grabs just the tiniest little peat piece of Jesus's robe and Jesus stops everything he's like hold up who touched me Cyprus like what you mean who touched you there's so many people in this crowd it's difficult I mean we all kind of touched you right like we're all bumping up against each other like it's so many people and Jesus why are you stopping and asking questions didn't you hear this man his man this man's daughter is really really sick this man's daughter's really, really sick. We've got to move, Jesus. You had promised that you were going to heal her, and now you want to stop in the middle to fill up your tank asking some questions. Who done it? Come on, Jesus. We don't got time for this. We got to go. And Jesus is like, uh-uh, no. Somebody here touched me. You know how I know Mark 5 says, Jesus says, I felt power leave me. And he finds the woman. He says, your faith has made you well. And you know what that tells me? That tells me a few things. That tells me that every time he did something like this, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% human. That means he got tired when he would do stuff. Every time Jesus performed a miracle, he got tired. Every time I take out the trash, I get tired. Jesus calmed a whole storm. You know how tired that man was? Then he faced some demons, threw them all over the cliff. You know how exhausted he was? Then he asked somebody else, asking for healing power. You know how exasperated this man was? He's done. He's fried. He's so tired. And while he has every reason, because of urgency and the people around him who aren't open to interruption... He has every reason to pass this woman up. He has every reason to pass this storm up. He has every reason to pass these demons up. He stops every time. He addresses it every time. And after all of this, somebody from Jairus' house meets him on the road, and he's like, too late, man. She's dead. She passed. Send the teacher home. Nothing we can do now. After calming a storm, a whole storm, like a life-threatening storm, like not like the one eight of y'all was like a little bit afraid of that was going on during announcements. I'm saying like, like a real storm. After throwing 5011 demons at one individual, after healing a woman that nobody could heal in 12 years, Jesus goes to the bedside of a corpse, of a girl who didn't make it. And he raises her from the dead. Jesus is Jesus every time. We don't consider how tired he was. We consider often how tired we are, right? Many of us, including the disciples themselves, it's okay, don't beat up yourself. I'd have been right there with Peter like, bruh! Many of us aren't open to that type of interruption. 
We're not open to that, right? You keep going back to the grocery store. Pastor, don't you know I'm just trying to get in, get my things, get out. That's why I do the self-checkout so I don't even have to talk to the checkout lady. Me too. And then I get out of there. I get home. I got things to do. We're not open to that interruption. But Jesus is Jesus every time. There isn't a time where Jesus isn't Jesus. And if we're to be like Jesus, as Acts calls us little Christs, it isn't a time where it's time to not be like Christ. That's exhausting. But it's every time. Even when it's time to rest. It's time to rest like Christ. Even when it's time to mourn. It's time to mourn like Christ. Even when it's time to work. It's time to work like Christ. And I know, I don't know about you. I got my guesses about you. But I know I really struggle with that. I really struggle with the idea that it's every time. That I got to be a Christian every time. That it's never a time I can be like, all right, I've definitely fulfilled my Christian duties for the week. I'm off the clock, Jesus. We really struggle with that part. We want to be a Christian on Sundays, but we don't want to be a Christian on Monday. We want to be a Christian on Wednesday night, but we don't want to be a Christian on Friday night after midnight when the club is dark. You didn't like that one? They didn't like it? Oof. I'll move on. We want to be a Christian when things are good. But we don't want to be a Christian when things are uncertain. We want to be a Christian when we're asked to sing loud. We don't want to be a Christian when we're asked to tithe. We want to be a Christian when conversation is safe and calm. But let somebody say one questionable thing, and we want to shrink back like we got no idea what the truth is. We want to be a Christian when we got a platform. But we don't want to be a Christian when we're at home with our family and not on a live stream. We want to be a Christian. Nah, I got one more. We want to be a Christian when we get to our destination, but we don't want to be a Christian on a car on the way there. That was me you flipped off in traffic. Huh. Say something else. Yeah, it really means every time. It really means every time. We have to be a Christian every time, which means we have to lead with empathy every time. And it gets exhausting. But we have to show love every time. That whole dust your feet off thing, that... that that applies when the relationship isn't for you. That's not your excuse to not be Christ-like to that person. It just says you tell them God loves you and get out of there. It doesn't say you tell them about themselves. Bless them out. Then get up out of there and key their car on the way by. It doesn't say that. We have to be a Christian every time. That means we got to be the ones to speak truth every time. 
Because good grief, there's a whole lot of people willing to voice their opinion, and not a lot of it is true. We got to be a Christian every time. That means we have to lead with spiritual authority every time. No more of this shrinking back like I hope, I hope Pastor handles that. I hope, I hope KT saw, his, saw that guy's post and he addresses it sometime in the next four weeks. No more of that. We got to be a Christian every time, which means we got to pray every time. Should be our blink reaction. What's going on? Let's pray. What he do? Let's pray. They going through what? Let's pray. You don't want this one, and I don't either. That means we got to be a Christian every time. Means we got to forgive every time. That's the basis of our faith. That is the grounds upon which Christ stood on. And people do offensive things all the time. And we got to be a Christian every time. We got to forgive every time. And I'm not talking about, I'm going to forgive, but I'm not going to forget. I'm setting you up. We have to forgive. Every time. That one's tough. You don't want to talk back to me on that one? It's touchy. Can I tell you something? You got four weeks of that with KT. Forgiveness. Next series. Let's go. Let's run it. KT, I'm sorry. I just killed attendance next week, dog. Killed it. They're not coming back. Be a Christian every time. Church, listen. Listen. Being sent as a disciple of Jesus means being a disciple of Jesus everywhere you go. Even the, even the. Being sent as a disciple of Jesus means being the light in the darkness for everyone. Even the, even the. Being sent as a disciple of Jesus to the end of the earth means looking like Christ every time. Everywhere, everyone, every time. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you have included us in your will and in your plan. God, we thank you that you see the whole world and you see not a collection of people to condemn, but a collection of people worth saving. And then you build a whole kingdom for folks that can come to themselves and accept that. God, we want to be a part of that. Because this world has fallen and it hurts. Lord, let us be a part of that kingdom. Father, give us 
the foresight we need to be a Christian everywhere we go. The patience we need to show love and to be light in the darkness for everyone. Father, build in us the endurant character it takes to be Christ-like every time. And forgive us for the things in our lives that have prevented us from living in to the spiritual character you set inside of us when we accepted you the very first time. Forgive us for ignoring situations. Forgive us for prematurely dusting our feet off. Forgive us for not dusting our feet off. Forgive us from all of the things that have kept us from participating in your perfect will to reach the end of the earth. And God, I pray. I pray that we will be able to receive your mercy so that we can continually be delivered until every nook and cranny of society is covered with the light and the love of Jesus or until you come back to get us once and for all. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All who believe say, bless up.